1: Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode is The Beatles. My name is Jimmy, and I once did three projects on Alan Moore's
0: Watchmen in one semester.
2: My name is Jeff, and I took a duty in a Pringles
0: can. My name is Dan, and when I was 10 years old, I made the local newspaper for dressing up as John Lennon. It's <laughs> cute.
1: That's pretty cool. Little,
0: I w- I was, uh, it, like uh, what era? What era, John Lennon? Yeah, oh, yeah. Early. I was okay. wearing like a suit with a skinny tie. Had my hair all combed down. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's appropriate for this episode. That's why I chose it, friend. That's oh. a good
1: one. I was in the newspaper once as Neil Armstrong.
0: Probably the same event. We went to the same elementary school.
1: That's actually probably true. <laughs> oh, wow.
0: It was like dress up as your hero's day or something. Yeah, something
2: the only like time that. I've been in the newspaper is for obituaries. Like, they leave behind this many grandchildren. Jeffrey's so,
0: one of them. Oh, no. I thought you were trying to say that you've been dead several times. No, that would be <laughs> wild. Uh,
2: have, I've realized when I was trying to come up with some more like fun facts that uh, my life
0: is very scatological. All of the... The funny things I could think of have to do with duty. I could think of a couple other things for you, but they may not be involving duty, but they are all repugnant. Yeah, they're all very vile. Like uh, there was the vomit story. I said it's just disgusting. <laughs> it's just Jeff, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Dan, do we have any reviews that we'd like to read today? We do have one new review on iTunes. It was posted by Butterscotch Fontaine. <laughs> Five stars. Good original fun three great guys that taste great together. Am I not supposed to eat this podcast? Well, Jeff talked me into it. Seven out of five stars. Would Defo give these hosts a kidney if they needed it?
2: Oh, thanks, Butterscotch. Yeah.
0: What a unique (laughs) review. So if you guys want to hear your reviews read on air, make sure to leave them. On air? Yeah, or or send us an email at at TalkMeIntoItGmail.com or tweet at us all those things we'll do the things we'll just
1: read whatever you say to us
0: yeah Uh,
2: this is the part of the show where we tell you what we're talking ourselves into uh (laughs) it's it's not enough for an episode nobody wants to hear an entire episode of us talking about bettering our lives or changing things about us uh go listen to a self-help podcast you dodo bird uh i talked myself into saying dodo bird once and you as did. you can see it's stuck it's i've been saying dodo oh, yeah. birds um so uh i would say recently within the last 10 years or so i've been talking myself into selling out yeah <laughs> yeah because like <laughs> dan and i we grew up and punk rock hard we were core. teenagers we were all into the punk rock and we we're like don't let the man get you down and i was thinking about it fight the power yeah because we recently uh re-recorded some songs we wrote in high school and i was just thinking i'm like wow these songs are like the man stinks you know like we're better than that and then i realized like you're the man now yeah i also like (laughs) i like not living in like a crusty house and like i like showering and like having a car that is reliable i like that kind of stuff and uh, i recently uh, became a manager at work and i have an assistant now and i'm like man Future Jeff would hate this guy. What a sellout. He's not making music and he's not famous. And also, like, I'm listening to this Clash podcast and, like, back then we're like, yeah, punk rock. But these dudes wanted to be the biggest rock band in the world. And they were, like, terrible at making money. But, like, they weren't lying about it. They just wanted to sell out. They didn't (laughs) care. And it's something I've been working on and I've been successful at.
0: Well, there's no such thing as selling out, especially nowadays.
2: Yeah, but, like... 17-year-old Jeff and 15-year-old Dan would say otherwise with their studded leather vests. Yeah, probably. Jimmy, what are you talking yourself into? (laughs) Uh, Not as hardcore as
1: that, but uh, I'm talking myself into just going out more okay Uh, yeah so next week dan and i are going to see book of mormon we're both excited for that oh yeah um i'm seeing a bunch of live shows i'm actually seeing game grumps live that's coming out (laughs) soon. that came out bad (laughs) i meant to say i'm also seeing uh super mega live as well who just happen to be their editors they also have another show called super mega Um, cool
0: you're going to see some editors
1: not, they're not just editors, they're also entertainers. So, I was themselves gonna ask, as is this well. like
0: is this
2: directly related to winter because it's warm out now? Is yeah, it 60 think it's, degrees today? Yeah, it's gonna it, get warmer, it's just,
1: just nicer out. And plus, right. I'm also going to Florida next week.
2: Wow, so wow. I'm,
1: I'm just I'm kind of getting like a little bit of a travel bug trying to do some more fun things. I'm going to Universal Studios,
2: wow, I was there for work recently. Yeah, it's
1: fun. Um, and then, um, I'm also going to see the Lonely Island live. That's oh, wow. also going to be
0: fun. I'm so excited for you. These are genuine wows. Yeah. It so. must be so nice to be young and have expendable income.
1: It's great. I love not having rent. Um, so I'm, I'm going out and doing things more cause you know, it's pretty easy just to stay home, just watch TV. Oh, stay it's your so phone. easy. Last
2: night was Friday and I went to bed at seven. <laughs> like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't my fault, but like, I liked it. Yeah. That's that's not surprising. <laughs> Yeah.
1: yeah, you're a big sleeper doesn't surprise me at all but yeah it's easy to get into some like depression spirals where you're just kind of like oh, I don't want to go out and do anything so I'm forcing myself to go out and have fun Dave nice. what are people what, what are people talking what are you talking yourself into
0: I'm talking myself into teaching Jimmy how to speak the king's English <laughs> never heard of it no. sorry I think I'm dyslexic um, I got a quick one this week I'm talking myself into shoe care okay okay uh i mean we've talked a little bit about dressing better and you know jeff commented about you know keeping a cleaner house and things like that we
1: know that you love your new balance sneakers that you spent an (laughs) extraordinary
0: the king's (laughs) english do you speak it no we know you
1: spent a lot of money on those new balance sneakers so you might as well right
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been dressing better and doing things like that, and I have a few nice pairs of shoes that I like, and it only makes sense to keep them in good shape. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for them to be worn out. So I made a big investment on something I've wanted for years. I bought a pair of Doc Martin boots, which I really love. They took a while to break in, but I'm really digging them now. Nice. And, uh, yeah, there's some upkeep in that, though. If you want to keep the leather supple and shiny, You have to be working some wax into them. Yeah, you got to get those leather care products, man. Yeah, and uh, I just got some some new shoe polish, a shoe polish kit, so they're shiny. It's going well. Next step is I've got to hand wash my white low-top Converse Mm, All-Stars because the white shows a lot of of brown mud and dirt and flex. Got to scrub them because if you spend money on things and you keep good care of them they'll last forever and that's not funny it's just sensible folks <laughs> okay Jeff Dan this episode Jimmy and I are talking into talking you into arguably the greatest pop rock and roll band of all time okay the Beatles Oh I thought you were talking about wham yeah. Okay. We, we were just singing Wamba. Uh They were an English rock band formed in Liverpool, England, in 1960. They are most famously known for the lineup of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. Jimmy, how did you get into the Beatles? Let's work backwards. I'm a Pete you, Best guy. By you're the way. More recent. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, look at you. Oh, I a know a
1: thing. Uh, He's not, he's also not the only fifth Beatle, believe it or not. There was also, Stuart Sutcliffe was also a member of the Beatles. I did not know
2: that. Yeah. Did you know that there's a conspiracy theory that, (laughs) what's his name is actually dead? Oh, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, McCartney, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am aware of that. Oh, we're just tying all talking. All right. Okay. So
1: this goes back to the year 2009. Um, When the Beatles Rock Band came out, um, I was interested in the game, but I was not too familiar with the Beatles. Um, So Dan, I believe, was getting more and more into the Beatles again. He was going through like a resurgence. So he was like, hey, Jimmy do you want to watch the Beatles anthology with me on Laserdisc? And I was like, what's Laserdisc? (laughs) Um, So we sat down and watched, I don't think we ever got through all of it, but we watched like seven tenths of the Beatles anthology. It's 10 hours long. Yeah. Um, But I learned everything I need to know about the Beatles in that documentary. Highly recommend it if it's available to you, but it is hard to find now.
0: Yeah, I think it's was out on DVD, but it's not currently in production. Yeah. There's been some rumors that it could be coming to Blu-ray as early as next year. Oh,
1: really? I didn't even hear that. Yeah, because
0: um, they're making a documentary. Um, mm. What's his name from uh, Lord of the Rings? the director, oh, uh, Peter yeah, Jackson, yeah. Yep. is making a Beatles documentary, and they're re-releasing some footage, like the Let It Be documentary that's mm-hmm. been out of print for years. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt.
1: Oh, no, that's fine. So we sat down and watched all of that, and I was immediately getting more and more into it, because at the time, they were also remastering all of the albums on um, vinyl, and uh, yep. also digitally, too. This was the... Maybe, no. I, I'm I'm mixing up two events, but um, The Beatles also got um was released onto uh, Apple iTunes as well at at one point too. It became more available digitally. Um, yeah, that, that was later because it on. wasn't
2: for a while. There were rights issues. Yes,
1: because of the Apple records and Apple uh, computer company. Computer stuff.
2: Okay, um,
1: so I didn't there's know that. something about that. Yes. So at the time, I was getting super, super hard into the Beatles, became one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, Definitely one of the most influential bands, in my opinion, um, just musically, lyrically. And it's the Beatles for me is always about the story of the Beatles, of how they came up um, through uh, playing this crappy club in Germany all the way up until um, playing the um, the last concert of the Beatles doing the uh, Let It Be sessions.
2: So I don't know much about the Beatles. I know mm-hmm. as much as anybody else who does because they're huge and yes. in pop culture. But they weren't around very long, were they?
1: No, about a decade, I would right. say. Which
2: is pretty short for, yeah,
1: for a the band. legacy that they left. Yeah, but a ton of albums because back in the day, there was multiple albums per year. Um, so Dan, what got you into the Beatles?
0: Uh, very similarly, I was sort of the person who took you under my wing and got you into, you know, just like this podcast. I would talk you into different mm-hmm. movies, TV shows, yeah. music. The person in my life that was like that, you know, if you're a fan of Mark Maron's WTF podcast, he always wants to know who was that guy, mm-hmm. who was that guy that played music for you and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That guy for me was my uncle Keith. Yeah. And uh, one day out of the blue, I don't know if he had just bought them, but he bought that very same Laserdisc set yep. Beatles Anthology I think he had just re- recently got them and because he was cool and my parents were cool he was like hey I'm gonna call out a w- sick from work tomorrow <laughs> how about you call out a sick from school even though you're in like fifth grade and we will watch <laughs> ten hours of documentaries about a band that you've never heard of Yeah, and I was like sounds like a plan So we spent the whole day watching Beatles Anthology, and I was hooked, and I was loving it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the night, he drove me to Strawberries, which is a now extinct music store chain. Yeah, In the same era of Sam Goody and Coconuts. And he bought me the infamous red and blue greatest hits CDs. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been, like I said, I was... Probably, I think I was in fifth grade, so it's been ever since for me. Yeah. I got into punk music and, you know, the Beatles were not cool in the punk rock and hardcore community. Dude, I'm telling you, this whole episode is thematic. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's, I think for a lot of people, it's a dirty little secret that no matter what they listen to, they still like the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And that was the case with me. And after I realized that I no longer had to try to be cool and pose as a punk rock superstar, and it was okay to like the Beatles that's when I was like, hey, Jimmy, do you want to watch 10 hours of Beatles documentaries? (laughs) Sure, Dan. So, yeah, yeah, I've always been into the Beatles. I've consumed everything I can get my hands on. Um, For me, one of the reasons why I like them, and I'll throw it to you, Jimmy, in a second for why you like them, but they represent the culmination, along with Bob Dylan, of what I look for in musical artists, which is growth, Mm -hmm. change. We've talked about this in the Bob Dylan episode um, the Touche Amore episode. Touche Amore episode, yeah. So for me, I respect artists who create art. They're not just out there doing yep. whatever. And it's ironic because when the <clears throat> Beatles launched, they were considered like a pop group, like a novelty act. Yep. And the fact that they went on to excel as songwriters, performers, and recording artists primarily is a testament to their own natural gifts to me. And I like all the different evolutions of the band. I have my favorites, but much like Bob Dylan, at different times in my life, I've preferred different different sounds and different eras of the Beatles. I like a lot of their solo work, but I think that they were at their best when they were together. I think their sum is greater than I think their their individual parts. Mm. Jim, what do you like about the Beatles?
1: What I like about the Beatles is just the music in general. I think it's very. Uh, Influential, um, very well written, very catchy, uh, especially the early stuff, Um, but also their talent um, as well. Um, Like we've went on multiple conversations just talking about how crazy it was that they're just playing like Shea Stadium and they can't even listen to themselves. Yet they're still in harmony. Yeah. like they're just crazy talented and that all goes back to um, like an urban legend of the Beatles is that they had to play that crappy club in Germany so many times so often that they just kind of honed their craft there that's the reason why they're so good is because they just kept on playing and playing and Yeah playing. there's
0: that whole thing um people say it's like a common trope you have to in order to excel at an art form you have to get your 10,000 hours mm-hmm. of experience and they definitely Jeff I don't know how much you know about their early history but Not much. So when they were starting out, they did not have a lot of local buzz, but some random guy saw them playing a club and was like, hey, I'm booking house bands for bars in Hamburg, Germany. Are you interested in becoming a house band? And they had nothing else really going on. So they agreed and they wound up at a seedy strip club that catered Hmm. towards German naval officers. Mm -hmm. Well, not officers, but basically German sailors. And they would have to play for sometimes eight hours at a time. They literally were playing background music for strippers, and they were playing in between strippers like a song. It's really music.
2: interesting to see that compared to when they land in America and
0: there's teenage girls all over. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. they got a manager named Brian Epstein whose idea was to clean up their act, basically, yep. and market them towards. All right, a wider. I'm sure we'll talk yep. more about this after watching the documentary. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, There's also a really good movie about this, too. It's called Backbeat. It also has some pretty good music in that as well. Yeah,
0: that's a really fun movie about their early years. But now I want to kind of talk about... So Jimmy and I struggled with what we were going to introduce to you because the Beatles are so beloved. They're so varied from album to album, song to song. And so many people have taken so much care and... They've taken so much time to analyze the Beatles and what their songs mean, and it's too much. Right,
2: because so, I don't have much exposure.
0: No, and we're not experts, but no. we, we tried to narrow it down to a few things that will be easily digestible in a couple weeks for you to sort of get a get a, a grasp at the music and the history of the Beatles. So the first album we chose for you to listen to is With the Beatles,
1: yeah, so this, to me, is one of their better early albums. Um, uh, their first, I think, like first three, they it's a culmination of like covers and originals. Um, originals, and this one, I believe, has may have the most originals on it.
0: It's but, a, it's their second studio album. It was released in 1963.
1: Yeah um a couple of really good pop songs like some of them i'm sure you'll definitely know they did a cover please mr postman that's a good one roll over beethoven that's another good cover Yeah, because
2: they used to just do a lot of early rock and yeah. roll yeah that's the stuff that i've heard from them that i actually enjoy mm-hmm. um you saw a lot of their earlier stuff uh the wannabe american rock and roller music yeah the, in that they were time, into they're... a
0: lot of early American R&B predominantly. Yeah. yeah. Little Richard, stuff like that. They,
1: they were also interested in like Elvis. They they wanted to be like Elvis, John Lennon especially. Um,
0: yeah, so um, there's eight original songs on this track out of a total 14. Yep. Eight original tracks on this album out of a total 14. Um, like I said, it's their second album. It was released only eight months after their first album, Please Please Me. So they were churning them out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, back then... They were actually pretty, right off the bat, they were pretty, um, uh, what do you call it, like uh, they blazed a new trail because mm. at that time, pop groups would go into the studio and they would present their songs and then they would bring studio musicians in to play the music professionally and then the band would record their vocals. That's how everyone did it. That's how the Beach Boys did it. A lot of different groups like that. The Beatles insisted on playing all their own instruments and... Uh, and, like I said, began insisting on writing their own songs. So mm-hmm. it was pretty influential to future groups of the era. Yeah.
1: So next album is one of my favorites. Um, Dan and I kind of had a little debate about because there's these two albums. There's Rubber Soul and then there's Revolver, which uh, George Harrison is on record as speaking. Um, they're basically like they're a pretty predominant Era of the Beatles, it's like
0: like sister albums. Yeah,
1: Ru- Rubber Soul side A, R- uh, Revolver side B. um Rubber Soul is my favorite. Revolver is Dan's favorite of this era, I believe. Revolver
0: is um, actually my favorite Beatles album.
1: Oh, of all time. Okay, yeah. interesting. um Rubber Soul is definitely
0: one of my favorites. So, which one am
2: I listening to? What are We're we doing?
0: listening to? Rubber Soul. Sorry. So, Dan's uh.
2: favorite Beatles album. I'm not even going to listen to.
0: Yeah, I eventually gave in to Jimmy's thinking because not only is it Jimmy's favorite but it's also i believe it's more popular and more widely respected from this era. Okay. We tried to cover one album from each sort of era. So
2: in 10 years they had about four eras.
1: Uh I mean they're not right. super
0: well defined. They Obviously they were evolving other. and stuff. Right. Yeah. But to me this Rubber Soul Revolver era was their first major foray out of traditional pop music. And Rubber Soul, even more so than Revolver, they had started to become widely influenced by drugs. Drugs, Bob Dylan, uh, The Birds. So there's definitely a folk rock influence mm-hmm. to
1: it. Um, yeah, drugs were introduced. Um, I think Help was the first album where they started partaking in marijuana. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, they started taking a deep dive into more um, hallucinogenic drugs. Um. Uh, which album is it that features the first song
0: that's a uh, backwards guitar solo? Is that Rubber Soul or Revolver? I don't remember. Revolver is uh, I'm Only Sleeping has a backwards guitar yeah,
1: solo. Yeah, so they definitely uh, were blazing some trails, as uh, Dan said. But um, Rubber Soul, I believe, has more hits on it, um, mm-hmm. whereas Revolver kind of feels more of like a singular album. There's not really like any super standout songs on there.
0: Yeah, it was. This album was released in 1965, and it marks a greater exploration of different tones and instrumentation in the recording studio. They added um, harmonium, sitar, fuzz bass, just some different things that were not really explored on the earlier albums.
1: Yeah, this also features the first song that's not about love with uh, "Nowhere Man." Oh, yeah. I know that because I did an entire audio experience for a job that I didn't get about Rubber Soul. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then the next album is one that is pretty well-known, probably their most famous album. Mm-hmm. It's Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We couldn't talk about the Beatles without talking about this album.
1: Yeah. Um, so this is the first album that they recorded when they decided to stop touring altogether. Um the Beatles were known as like a touring band um, because, I mean, obviously that's going to make a lot of money. And there's this little thing called Beatlemania. Perhaps you've heard of it where people were obsessed with the Beatles um, going to concerts. You couldn't even hear the music.
0: They just girls just screamed through the entire thing. Yeah,
1: So oh. they were getting annoyed with that. So they decided to stop touring um, for the foreseeable for- future. Did and
2: that last forever? Yeah. It did. So so there were like famous albums they never performed live.
0: Yep. Yes. Wow. They played one final show on a rooftop of their recordings of Apple Studios. Did they know it was their final show? Yeah. Yeah. That was their way of going out, basically. Yeah. But um, the reason why Jimmy mentions this about the touring is not just to put it in a a context, but it's also the reason why Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is such a huge, monumental leap forward. Is because they decided that if they were going to stay relevant and engage their fans without touring, they were going to need to do greater things in the recording studio. Well, because
2: they weren't concerned with how are we going to play this live. Yes, they were just like let's do whatever technology. Definitely, will allow but they us to also
0: do. felt that that was definitely part of it. But they also felt that they needed to go further and give a bigger experience. To the, to the, fans. were they
2: concerned monetarily? Like, if we're not going to make money from tours, we have to make the music
0: better so that more. Oh, they had can enough
1: sell. money to live a I lifetime. I don't know how they are, though. Yeah, I don't they know. Were, Some
2: people, it's
0: not enough. Yeah. I, I don't think that was as big of a concern. I think their big concern was about remaining relevant. Um, so they also started at this time releasing more individual non album singles. And mm. um, I forget what they called them, but they're basically the first music video they would oh, record yeah. little mini films for some of their singles and release them to the BBC yeah they were aired. doing
1: that before they stopped touring cuz they they did a few for help that was a big one well help
0: had the movie that they cut into well, stuff oh yeah, yeah. Um, but like i i agree with you like paperback writer yep yep um, things like that had little individual films but Sgt. pepper's lonely hearts club band is pretty widely lauded as the first concept album mhm so one of the ideas ever. yeah ever one of the conceits for the album was from paul mccartney said that they were so overwhelmed by Beatlemania and by paparazzi following them and everything and be- pe- being criticized for what they said in public that what if we recorded an album as an entirely different band so the conceit of the album is that they are sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band
3: oh
0: yeah
1: and uh, some of the, uh, the, here's another fun fact. I was actually thinking about doing it for this episode, but here's a fun fact of Dan and I went to go see a documentary based off of the, it was just basically an analysis of this album. like Re- just The
0: recording of it. Yeah,
1: it was really, and we also did it in a theater that was originally a factory. Yeah. We were cool. <laughs> it was very mm, hip. That
0: is the hippest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Yeah, The documentary was basically interesting, but yeah, it was basically like a PowerPoint lecture
1: Yeah, put to film. It was cool, though.
0: So yeah, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was released in 1967. It inspired basically all the other popular music acts of the day to step their game up. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for Sgt. Pepper's, you wouldn't have pet sounds by the, the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. They just advanced what you could do in a recording studio, basically. And you want to get to the last one we chose, Jimmy?
1: Yeah. So there is a pretty predominant um, era of the Beatles that we're kind of skipping over. Um, there's a Yellow Submarine, uh, Magical Mystery, Mystery Tour, Tour. Uh, The White Album, uh, also self-titled as The Beatles. Um, it, it's a pretty big moment of Beatles history, but it's not my favorite personally. Um, my favorite is towards the ends with uh, "Let It Be" and "Abbey Road."
0: Yeah, so I love the White album, the self-titled album, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's great to introduce to new people. Yeah, it's big; it's hard to get a hold of. There's not a lot of like mem. I don't want to say not memorable, but there's not a lot of singles on that album. Mm-hmm.
1: So Dan and I chose Abbey Road because we believe that it is the better of uh, "Let It Be" and "Abbey Road." Uh, If you don't know, there was some uh, finagling happening behind the scenes where uh, Let It Be and Abbey Road was kind of like... uh,
0: They were recorded around the same time period Yeah, with the idea being that Abbey Road would be the final album, but due to production issues, they were having trouble finding a producer that they were satisfied with. Abbey Road actually came out first and then Let It Be. Yeah. Which is kind of sad because Abbey Road is a great stamp on the end of the career of the Beatles.
1: Yeah. I always look at Abbey Road as the last album, even. That's how they intended it to be. Yeah. Um, So Abbey Road is my definitive conclusion of the Beatles. And it features a phenomenal, I don't know how many-song medley at the end. Uh, there's like six or seven songs. It's the
0: entire B-side, which as a vinyl fan, you'll appreciate, Jeff. The entire B-side of the album runs together as one ah. long song, basically, with many different <laughs> movements.
1: Yeah. Um, it's just phenomenal. It also features uh, uh, Come Together, which is a huge rock and roll hit. Um, uh, Here Comes the Sun, another huge hit. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely one of my favorite. Actually, I probably would consider it my favorite Beatles album.
0: Yeah. It's up there with me too. I sort of vacillate between Rubber Soul and, or um, Revolver and Abbey Road, but um, then we're doing a documentary. Yes. Which, to be honest, I don't think Jimmy's seen. No, I haven't. And I've only seen bits and pieces of, but we chose it because it's pretty widely regarded as being a positive documentary, and it's very easily accessible. It's called How the Beatles Changed the World. It's available streaming on Netflix. And it's just sort of a retrospect on their career and the influence that they had on popular music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Should I watch this first? Uh, I don't think it matters. I think it'll help you contextualize what you've already mm. heard. Okay. I would watch it in the mix, maybe. Maybe give them all a listen, watch the documentary, give them all a listen again. Okay. Up to you, man. But we couldn't really enforce you... We couldn't try to get you to watch 10 hours of Beatles, the anthology. The anthology. I mean, we've done 10 hours of anime, and that was, uh, <laughs> that was for not no That was 10 reason. hours. No, that's only like four and a half hours, uh, I think. It felt like 10
1: hours. Oh, boy. We're not getting back into this. Uh, I can only imagine what backlash that's going to have. So, Jeff, um,
0: what is your exposure so far? I mean, you know things culturally, but... Yeah, that's it. I know what everybody else knows. I know the hits. I
2: know... Uh, they weren't around very long. They experimented with drugs. I know that they went to India for a while. Oh, yeah. I know that they all had, uh, for the most part, solo careers afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, my exposure to the music is just the hits like a lot of the songs you mentioned. I like a lot of their early rock and roll R&B, uh, I don't want to say ripoff, but like covers and mm-hmm. their style like that. Yeah. I know that Weird Al covered a George Harrison song, <laughs> a parody to George Harrison song on his 1988 album, Even Worse. Which one? Uh, this song is just six words long. This got my mind on you. Oh, I got I my mind set on. You. Mindset. Uh-huh. So I know yeah. that. Uh, you know, I know that Paul McCartney was in Wings. Mm-hmm. I know that he did the song for a James Bond movie. Uh, I know <laughs> he still makes music, and I know that Howard Stern loves him. Yeah. Uh, I know Ringo Starr is a joke mostly. Uh, <laughs> I know that Yoko broke up the band. I know. <laughs> yeah, the I know the the stuff. Yeah. Okay. I know like Abbey Road Studio is like, uh, I saw a little thing on the actual studio.
0: So you have never really committed to listening to I've them? I've never listened to one of their albums from front to back. But you also aren't like a Beatles hater like some people we know. No, they're they're fine.
2: Uh, I guess at one point I was just like, oh, the Beatles are dumb. They're like hippie
0: music because I was a little punk rocker. And you were mm-hmm. sick of hearing people say that the Beatles were the best probably.
2: Probably, yeah, because yeah. like F authority, man. Yeah. <laughs> Take down the system. Yeah. I'll
1: take that. I'm not. I'm. I'm optimistic that we're gonna talk Jeff into this, possibly.
0: Yeah, I think Jeff. I don't know where to go with him because <laughs> I know he likes a lot of early rock and roll. So I'm tempted to say that he might enjoy the first album better than the rest hmm. uh, with the Beatles. But I don't know. He likes some classic rock sensibilities, like the Gaslight Anthem and Bruce Springsteen and stuff. So he may enjoy Abbey Road better um, or Rubber Soul. Yeah. We'll see. It's going to be a tough sell, but yeah, we had to do this at some point. It's such a big part of Jimmy and I, my life.
2: Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean,
0: this is episode 15, and you guys have never teamed up on me yet. I thought I was going to get away with it yeah. for a few <laughs> more episodes. You got you to gotta give it a chance once and for all.
1: Yeah. All right. So uh, in about 30 seconds, you'll hear if Jeff is going to be talked into it. If you haven't already, I uh, highly recommend listening to the albums. They are With the Beatles, Rubber Soul, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Abbey Road. And watch the documentary. What was the documentary name again?
0: How the Beatles Changed the World, available streaming on Netflix. So do that. And when we come back,
1: we're going to find out if we talk Jeff into the Beatles.
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, no, no.
1: So for us, it's been long awaited to talk about the Beatles because I'm very interested in knowing what Jeff thought about it. But for you, it's only been like 30 seconds. So I think we're going to be talking album by album, song by song, possibly.
0: Yeah. Real quick, though, I want to give a spoiler alert Uh oh. to the music of the Beatles. Okay. (laughs) Spoilers. We will be (laughs) revealing what songs are good. (laughs) And they are all good. That's the spoiler. Okay,
1: we'll
2: see. We'll
0: see if they are.
1: So we're starting off with With the Beatles, which is the the Beatles' second studio album.
2: I don't want to start off there, Jim.
1: Okay. Here's why. Throwing a wrench in the works already.
2: Because I was told to watch a little documentary.
1: Okay, so you want to do the documentary.
2: I do, because I watched it first, and I watched it first- so that I would have context.
1: Okay. Into listening, I like it.
2: listening to the music.
1: That, right? That's that's how me and Dan also started listening to The Beatles. So I will concede to that. Okay. So
2: I'm not going to go crazy on the documentary because I started taking notes and like critiquing the documentary. And I was like, that's not what this is about.
3: Right.
1: Because
2: like Dan got into it from a 10 hour documentary and this is a two hour documentary. So they yeah. can't cover everything. Yeah. So yeah. the documentary wasn't the best documentary. It wasn't all encompassing, but it did give a good idea on how the Beatles started how they rose to fame and how they later dissolved yeah yeah it it was definitely
1: single uh idead kind of about how the Beatles changed the world I mean that's how that's what the name of the documentary is is. um so it it was pretty focused on that but it, it did give a pretty decent look into what they did uh like in the studio and like why they did it and
0: yeah, I mean, we chose this documentary primarily because... Accessibility. Accessibility, and yeah. also uh, we were looking for something that covered their entire career span, which mm-hmm. this does pretty much. Um, I do have to say, after re-watching it, I had watched it years ago when it first came out, but um, actually, I don't know if I did. Either way, I, I found that... Um, it didn't dive as deeply as I would have liked it to. Yeah. No, it, yeah. Didn't.
2: it was, it was very focused a lot on John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Yeah. And yeah. That. Um, so I don't want to like review the whole documentary now, but I wanted to bring it up now. Okay. And it'll probably come up while we're talking. Right. And I about hope that albums. it gave
0: yeah. you a little bit of context of, I mean, you're, you're a smart guy, but I hope it gave you a little context of what the world was like when the music was coming out. And, uh, Primarily America, but the world at large, their reaction to the music. Right. So now should we uh, go to With the Beatles? Okay. So um, as Jimmy mentioned, With the Beatles is the second full-length studio album. Um, It was released on November 22nd, 1963 on Parlophone. Yeah. And back in this day, as we mentioned in the Bob Dylan episode, people used to put out a lot of albums.
1: Yeah, I think this may even be the same year that the Please yeah. Please Me came out. Correct. It's
0: eight months after the band's debut, Please Please Me, according to Wikipedia. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just always find that crazy when I'm listening to music of that time period. That we look back on these as like super influential albums and super important for the times, and they were releasing like multiples a year. Now, people who affect you know the shape of music today. Take multiple, multiple years, sometimes like once every five years, once every 10 years to yeah, release but they an could ship sure.
2: out. Come on Twitter and be like, new album,
0: bam. And people are
2: like, yay. But, yeah. But back for then, sure. they had to stay. I agree on with you. Minds. There was uh, the yep. music
0: industry was churning out so much stuff that to be relevant, you had to keep producing. Mm hmm um all right so going through the
2: albums um i didn't write notes for every single song mm-hmm. yeah we can just highlight albums. a few things yeah just highlighted some stuff as i was listening i made some notes so we're skipping over some if you guys want to jump in if i'm skipping over one you want to talk about mm-hmm. just jump in one
0: thing i want to say off the bat um i think one of the reasons why jimmy and i chose this is be- for their early time period this was i think their first one that's oh no not every track was written by them but a lot of it was um, written by Lennon and McCartney. Yes. Compared to other albums that had, were heavily, uh, they, they've had a fuller, ugh, I can't speak. They had more <laughs> cover songs on the albums. Okay,
2: I mean, there were still five out of 14 here,
0: so yeah. it's, it's yeah, a pretty yeah. big uh, chunk of covers. So so what'd you think about the first uh, few the songs? The
2: first thing that hit me was the mixing. Uh, the stereo mixing, mm-hmm. how everything is just hard panned to left and right. Yeah. And and I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so back then, stereo was just coming out. Mm-hmm. It was a new feature. It, and I hated it. I hate listening to it like that. Just it sounded terrible to me. Okay. Um, so I don't know why in the last 60 years they didn't go back to the masters. Maybe they have, like in Mix Better Stereo. I know I read that mm-hmm. there's mono cuts, but I don't want to listen to mono. Who wants yeah, to listen yeah. to mono? Well, Um,
0: mono does eliminate that hard panning issue that you were talking about. It does.
2: It does. But I believe the
1: Beatles themselves have said that they prefer the mono mixings compared to the stereo mixings. Yeah, because
2: it in throughout, I just didn't like that because for almost their entire Hmm. career, it was mixed exactly the same. Yeah. It got better towards the end. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it just strikes me as so odd that the greatest band in the world, like a lot of people say, uh, it's stereo. That's like if Citizen Kane was shot only in 3D. Mm. Or I, I just say Citizen Kane.
0: Well, I sure. mean, a couple things I will mention. I think that you have to look at it in the context of the technology of the time. Yeah. Well, and well, realize that, well, here's the thing. Most people didn't have high-quality stereos. Right. So I don't think a lot of it was coming through as much as it is now. No, but that's You what weren't I'm hearing as so much nuance. time,
2: since the 70s or 80s, when they really got better at it they just left it like that yeah, i know there's,
0: that there's been stereo remixes and Some stuff mixing. like that yeah they
1: they recently mm. did um sergeant pepper's lonely heart school band they remixed
0: okay yeah. um i also think that now i don't know about that remastering process but i'm pretty sure um that there was a mono mix and a stereo mix so when they go back to remix or remaster the album they're going back to that first generation of that type, though. So, in other words, I don't know that they're going to the mono mix and re splitting it into stereo. They should. I mean, I, I don't know what that process entails, but I also think that um, when the stereo mixes were done because stereo was so new and innovative, I think there was a little bit of like cuteness. Like, oh, look at all the cool things we can do. We can yeah, have no, things I, pop I out of the exactly mix and that's stuff. Exactly what I'm
2: saying. It's like when 3D movies. First got big like ten years ago. Everyone wanted to again. show off how they could use yeah. yeah, they would throw things at the screen, but then
0: Avatar came along and it showed depth, and you're like, oh. Yeah, I think that's definitely be more of a case on these earlier albums.
2: Yeah, it does get better, but I did want to bring it up because it was a huge
0: annoyance. Yeah, I would encourage everything. you if you decide to be talked into them to check out the mono mixes, especially of these early albums.
2: All right. So getting into it with the Beatles, track one, it won't be long. It's a classic R and B pop rock song Mm -hmm. it's a song about longing and love which a lot of their songs are um
0: I think if I had a comment on it um and I think this is sort of a trend for this whole album I think what the Beatles started to do that was different than their contemporaries of this genre is I agree with you they had strong roots in like American R&B rhythm and blues music but they had a polish Now, now this is not necessarily a good thing some people love like I myself like some of the the grit and grime of those like chess records you know mm-hmm. chuck berry little richard yeah, stuff like that. that too um but what they were able to do was repackage that clean it up harmonize it and sell it to a wider audience so they connected with let's be honest like white teenage girls yeah, primarily yeah. in oh, a way yeah, sure. that american rhythm and blues artists never could
2: i mean that's that's obvious too like with this whole thing, the same thing with Elvis. He did the same exact thing.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um Track two, all I've got to do. It's just a, uh, another classic song. Nothing special about it. It's fine. It's like Otis Redding. Mm.
3: Uh,
2: and then by track four, there have been, I was actually on the same Wikipedia page. We're looking at now. There were two Lennon songs, a McCartney song and a Harrison song. Yep. And I couldn't tell the difference at all. I just didn't know. Like if I didn't well, look when this, you I say a Lennon song and a McCartney the lead song. vocals,
0: right? Yeah, they're. I mean, I think if you listen to them more, um, you'll hear the the nuances. But they are doing some really tight multi tracking in this. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. And
2: um, track five, little child. I notice that there's uh, dual lead vocals, and they start to throw a harmonica in there, so it starts to get a little different musically. Uh, yeah, lyrically, it's just these are just all like love songs, pretty much. Yeah, I, but yeah, That's yeah. that's what. That's it what was it was back then. Yep. Now, and that's that's not a complaint at all,
0: Jimmy. Don't you think that, um, especially for these earlier albums, where it's clear that they hone these songs performing live? Yeah. I think that the Lennon McCartney harmonies, because they're somewhat straightforward, they're singing like a lot of like not to get too music theory nerdy, but they're singing like a lot of like open thirds and fifths. Yeah. Um, they're really tight. Like oh, sometimes yeah, it definitely. is hard to discern one voice from another when they're blending
1: yeah um there are some songs too that as you go a little bit even earlier or later um that sometimes they do some three-part harmonies or maybe even four-part harmonies they just overdub you hear that a
0: lot in sorry to interrupt you but i was actually going to bring this up on track three all my loving yeah you get um john lennon singing the lead and paul mccartney and george harrison doing over harmonies yeah yeah and that's a really tight blend too
2: yeah i'm not i I wasn't saying that as a negative i was just something i noticed yeah
0: Yeah. i get what you're saying they they definitely started out super cohesive um thematically vocally like they were a tight group that had honed their sound playing live and then as we get further into the discography that starts to expand and you start to hear more individual creative input yeah i'd agree with that
2: uh and then we get into uh a a chunk of covers uh you know like i said there's five so we get into the first three back to back to back Mm -hmm. uh till there was you is the first cover i'm not very familiar with the original song i'm sure i've heard it but i thought it was pretty boring it's just a generic 1960s ballad to
0: me i didn't really dig it that much yeah i think it's like a standard that they sort of Mm rearranged to be performed by a rock quartet
2: and then uh please mr postman please mr postman by the marvelettes uh, this is like a, their first doo-wop cover. I don't know on, on their other albums if they did any doo-wop covers. It's not bad. Uh, I prefer the original. Mm. And I'm I'm sure that this is the song that popularized it, though. Like, maybe I would have never heard the original had the Beatles not done it.
1: I could see that.
2: Um, And, like, back to what you said about popularizing the music, like, I'm torn by this because is it whitewashing or is it bringing a culture that wasn't in the mainstream's eyes to the forefront and put raising that up and see? I've heard that
0: criticism before, but it's really hard for me to connect to it because I just feel like in that day and age, that wasn't even a thought In, in white society. There was not a group of people that were saying, "Hey, we should give credit where credit is due." Maybe I'm looking at it through rose tinted glasses and don't want to like, you know, demonize the Beatles because I have a fondness for them. Mm -hmm. But I think they were fans and I think they were trying to bring it out. They
2: were, too. But I'm not saying they did it intentionally, but was it still done? Is it something that was just
0: I guess where I come down on it is um, if the record company my question is. Did the record industry, meaning like right. promotion, you know, distribution, all them, did they intentionally um, like cover up or conceal or just not give enough information or credit where credit was due to the original artists? Or was it so foreign in their mind to, you know, pay tribute to where the music came or, from that it wasn't even part or of their industry? Thing, not
2: thinking of like the Beatles and their record label as the enemy, was it the other way where the Marvelettes record label wanted this white band to bring it up? Because back then there was mm. black radio and there was white radio. Mm. There were crossovers like uh, James Brown was a crossover. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing. He got from black radio to white radio and became this mega superstar. So it, it was just, it's just an interesting I think there's probably
0: some of that as far as exposure. I also think there's a level of, depending on the level of success and fame of the original group, Hey, here's an opportunity to basically make some money. Yeah, um, I'm sure yep. they were paid for these songs. Maybe not as handsomely as, as they should have been, but I'm sure you know a representative came to them and said, "Like this band wants to cover your song. If you say it's okay, here's some money." Well, I'm and sure they at the time the Beatles them. weren't paid
2: what they should have been paid for this album. Probably not. Um, next cover: Roll Over, Beethoven by Chuck Berry. Don't didn't like this version that much. Are you kidding?
0: I to mean me, it, it's not bad. <laughs>
2: it I didn't I didn't listen to it and like I didn't hate it like when I heard Fallout Boy cover Gorilla Biscuits, right? It wasn't yeah. like this disgusting display of destroying a decent song, but I don't I like the original better. I don't know. It, it was fine.
0: So I I think that of this group of covers on this album, this one stands out as being the most gritty and having the most emotional depth.
2: I'll agree with that. Mhm.
0: Um I mean Chuck Berry is awesome and his guitar playing is better than George Harrison's guitar playing. Yeah. But I like George's voice on this song and I think, like I said, it has a vibe to it. It feels more like a like a barroom brawl. Like it feels like mm-hmm. you're back in the cavern club watching them play it in a gritty little dark space.
1: I'd agree with that. And I also think I, I do agree. I I kinda like the original better. But this was definitely what we were going to with our last conversation about, like, you know, this is probably one of my most listened to versions of Roll Over Beethoven. If it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't have gotten to the original. Right. So, just a little example. Yeah. I
0: mean, I love Chuck Berry. I listen to Chuck Berry, but when I think of Roller of Beethoven, I think of this version. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that they covered it. I'm sure I've heard it. But Plus, I, didn't I, think
0: about I mean, it something for me too is I have a, a fondness for George Harrison. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves in the group. Yep. And this is one of my favorite of, I mean, fans of the Beatles will know that he didn't really come into his own in songwriting until later than Lennon and McCartney. And a lot of these early albums had like a George song or two, but... um they were usually covers or not that great. So to me, like for his early songs, this is one of my favorites.
2: Uh, the next cover of the three in a row is. Uh, oh, yeah. I skipped over. Hold
0: yeah. Me hold tight. Me Tight's not a cover. No. I, I, to me, I that's know. like one of the weaker points of the album. It sort of just feels like a mop top song. Yeah. Like, that's kind of why yeah, I skipped over it. Like, I, I had nothing to say about it. Hold me tight. <laughs> yeah. I I,
1: I do got to say, though, all of these songs are stupid catchy. Yeah. Like you can are. immediately like you start that. singing along. And it's like all all of a sudden I'm just singing a Beatles B side. Like it's yeah. it, it's crazy how catchy some of these songs are.
2: Um a Smokey Robinson cover, You really got a hold of me. Hold um, on me. Hold on me. The same thing. I liked I liked it less than the original. The original's so good. And this one I just it's not it's not like I'm listening to Smokey Robinson actively, but it's a song I've heard many times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just his version was very soulful, and this version seemed kind of phoned in. I didn't really care for it. Um, Anything else you want to say about that? Um, I mean, no. We kind of talked about covers.
0: Out of like what you've said about the covers, I tend to agree with you more on that you really got a hold on me than the other ones. Okay. I also have a weird thing with these early albums. Um, I guess they were trying to expand. I don't know if it was their idea or George Martin's idea, but some of these ones that are heavily featuring piano are a little strange for me. Like this yeah, one yeah. has like arguing, i know
1: george george martin plays piano in a lot of the songs
0: yes um i i just this one you really got a hold on me feels like the last track money um and we'll get to that but i I don't know it's just i don't think his playing matches with the sound of the band really
1: yeah i'd agree with that
2: so
0: what'd you think of i want to be your man
2: uh so this was the only Ringo lead vocals yep on the album and what I wrote down and I don't really remember because I did this a while ago silly lyrics and chorus not a bad thing so I think
0: it's just like it's not a great song it's mm-hmm. a little silly yeah I don't it's think it's even bad. written
2: by
1: Ringo I think it's uh it's Lennon and McCartney yeah, but yeah. They,
0: they primarily wrote for him yeah I, I actually think like you hit on a good point um I think early on in the band, Ringo came up with a persona, which was the the goofball, like the sort of like yeah. unwitting, like funny by Yeah, I he mean, wasn't trying to be McCartney. I mean, McCartney. it's pretty well yeah.
2: known that of the four, he's the least talented at his mm. a, in in his position. Um,
0: it depends not, on how you measure talent. I like,
2: mean, it's not that he's terrible, but like, is he that creative? I don't know. The other three seem to be doing weird shit later on, and like, I think he's super...
0: Well, like the ironic thing is, and now this can just speak to the nature of the American record buying public, but um Ringo Starr had more hits early on as a solo artist Yeah than Lennon, than or, Lennon McCartney. or McCartney. Yeah. So he was good at doing his thing, his shtick. But Lennon, like, after the Beatles did get weird.
2: And like in retrospect a lot of people love it, but at the time a lot of people were like, What yeah, the what's hell is happening. going on? Yeah. Like, this is wack."
1: Ringo was definitely more mainstream when the Beatles first broke up
2: um and then i'm just gonna skip to the last song unless you guys have something to say not um, really the the last cover money that's what i want like i've heard this version i mean i've heard this song i know i have but i don't know again like which one did i know did the did the Mm -hmm. beatles popularize it um i don't know it's the same thing with all the other covers it's just a another song that they covered that was like it's pretty good but whatever
0: Yeah, I feel like the uh, George Martin piano on this song takes the cojones out of it. Mm. Like, I've heard other bands cover it, it, and it's more, like, guitar-driven, and it has more of an edge.
1: You know what's funny? Is that I kind of like the backbeat version (laughs) of Money. I do, too. Yeah.
0: So... I don't know if Jeff knows this. The movie? Yeah, yeah or, or if the audience Long knows it, because it's not a super popular movie. It's not a great movie either. It's no. Just, it's fun. There's a dramatic...
1: We talked about it in the beginning, the first yeah, part of this. Yeah, okay.
0: So Backbeat, and they... Because of the time period, because it's the early like, R&B club days of the Beatles, they do a lot of these like, R&B songs, but they play them with like, a grittier edge to them. And I agree. I think money on that soundtrack... You know, it's not the Beatles, but sort of an artistic interpretation of what the early Beatles version sounded like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that better. So, So, any overall?
2: Overall, uh, I thought that the covers were the best songs on the album over the originals. And I still wasn't, like, super digging (laughs) the covers. But like, It was decent. It didn't blow my mind or change yeah. my views on it's, music. it's definitely
1: not one of my favorites it's i'm not a huge fan of the early beatles yeah stuff but either
2: it, it was it was a fine album i mean there's, there's nothing terrible to say about it there's nothing groundbreaking to say about
0: it one thing i have to say in the album's defense is as i re listen to it um it has a really good overall tone i don't mean yeah. audio i mean thematically and just the feel of the album the vibe it's mm-hmm. super tight it's of its piece and you could i mean a couple of these early albums are similar but you could pretty much hear a song from this album and guess within like three albums you know you know what i'm saying it feels like it's from with the beatles right mm. which i liked
1: i think we i think we did a pretty good job with all these albums they kind of had the same thematic
2: i think you guys picked good i mean i didn't listen to any other albums okay yet or maybe i won't who knows oh. um but I think you did a good job, like going back to the documentary, it showed like in the short time period that they were around, how they evolved in their different genres. And I think each album you guys pick represents that. So moving on to Rubber Soul, which was the next album that uh, you had me listen to two years later, 1965, a pretty, pretty big change. Yeah. I mean, oh, not yeah. like wildly different, but yeah. you can definitely see like we skipped
1: over like two or three albums, I think. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, in like two years. Um, so the first song, Drive My Car. I've heard the song before, but I've never, like, listened to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these songs, these big hits, like, I've heard the sound bites, but, like, some sometimes I'll recognize the chorus, but I don't know yeah. the verse or the other way around. Um, it's a classic rock and roll song. It's, it makes me want to, like, drive with my windows down going on a road yeah. trip. It's just uh,
1: I love that opening guitar riff with the reverb. It sounds
2: really yeah, good. It's a really rocking song. Uh, I liked it. I mean, there's not much depth to it i don't think i think it's just a fun summertime song
1: yeah uh, i'd agree with that it's it almost seems a little beach boys ish um sort of influence in there
0: yeah i think this album um you know i wanted to say before we got into the track listing i think there's a you could start to hear the expansion genre wise a little bit more yeah
2: that's actually my next note for the next song
0: and um i i think that um, this album was written after their exposure to Bob Dylan. So some people have commented mm. this is more of a folk rock album. There's some folk influences. They're starting to use acoustic instruments more. But also, I think it's just starting to dip the toe into like what I would call like psychedelia, like psychedelic music. But yep. it doesn't go there yet. No. It's just testing it. Yeah.
2: Um, okay, so Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown. Uh, that's exactly what I said, the experimentalism if that's a word uh starts they start bringing in new instruments Mm -hmm. they get a little like this song is leagues different than with the beatles anything on with the beatles um and then it just progresses from there and it's weird because like as i was writing these notes like when we did touche amore you know we went every song every like stage four every song had this meaning Mm -hmm. and something specific and so far the one album and one song i haven't been getting that i'm just like all right classic love songs like does it change? Like, what the what the hell is Norwegian? What about? I have no idea. Yep. The only song I looked at the meeting meaning for was this song, yep. and it was like about an affair. Yep, John yeah. Lennon had an but affair. But like, I didn't know that. And just listening to the lyrics, I would have never picked up on that. Really? I don't think so. Maybe I didn't listen to the song. I mean, enough, here's like, the
0: thing that you have to know going into it is that "bird" is British slang for a single woman. Or... I do
2: know that, but yeah. I wouldn't have connected those dots because when I think of "bird," I think of a bird. 99.99% of the time yeah mm. um and that that's just a general theme throughout so like i didn't really put song meanings behind a lot of these I, uh until later um
0: i think that this album um really started to stray away from the standard love song format there are songs about yeah. love and affairs and relationships but they're not the typical like I love you, let's get together. Yeah,
1: she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff.
0: Like, I actually heard an interview with Paul McCartney, I think it was on the Howard Stern Show, and he was talking about Drive My Car and how that was their first really big departure from the standard love topic. Right. And it was interesting because, like, the original first draft that Paul McCartney had in his head, because a lot of people know that Paul McCartney makes up, like, sort of, like, fake or, like, temporary lyrics when he's writing yeah. the melody. So and then they get changed to something more serious or you know better. I've heard
2: people do that before.
0: So his original lyrics were like I can give you golden rings and it was a typical like I'm in love with you let's get married type of thing. And John Lennon like totally just changed the the subject so it is still about a relationship but it's a little edgier. And I think you see the same thing mm-hmm. echoed in Norwegian Wood like sure you could say it's about a relationship but really it's about two people who are kind of using each other and how they react to that affair.
2: All right. Uh, Nowhere man. It's a good song. I've definitely heard the lyrics before, but I didn't know where. And then I heard the song and I was like, oh yeah. And right now I can't Mm -hmm. even picture it in my head, but that's what I wrote when I was listening to the song.
0: Yeah. This one's not like a standard love song.
1: It's not a love song. It's the first song that the Beatles wrote. That's not, only about love yeah yeah
2: this is the first one ever
1: that they wrote yes wow it's
0: more introspective and um i guess dealing with issues of like self-identity and belonging and things like that
1: yeah it's it's basically a john lennon song it's very much about his like childhood and growing up i believe
2: all right i'm gonna skip a few so if you guys have something to say about the next few uh feel free to cut me off but the next song well
0: one i do want to mention okay um it was talked about in the documentary and I think it is like word. super important is yep. the word. Uh, Jim, you can talk a little bit about the importance of this and I think what it starts to signal in becomes a, a theme of their whole career lyrically, but
1: of uh, just uh, the word in general. Um, yeah. It's, I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it. I don't know what you're throwing it to me, but I, I think, I think it's important. <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't know. You got to look on your face like you had something to say, but yeah. So yeah. I'll just say like, basically to me, um, Obviously, they were like a progressive band politically, but I think they were start yeah. just were starting the, Were to, they
2: at this point, or was it like- were they Well, this just is what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Internally, if you knew them personally, I think they were. Right, right. But they were just starting to get their feet under them with expressing those thoughts through their music. Yeah. And I think the word can be looked at as a thesis of some of their themes to come, which is like, sure, we're about promoting peace, and we're about- promoting like civil rights and things like that but it could all be boiled down to love like love is all you need yeah the word is love and the whole song is just like it's sort of just identifying that and like i said i find it interesting that as they got further and deeper into the psychedelic movement and things like that they still held true to that that they were about peace and the key to peace was love
1: peace and love man
0: yeah
2: uh jumping ahead to what goes on um. This this is a kind of touches on what Dan said at the beginning of this album. Is it's like it's like a pseudo country song, kind of. Yes. Um, and the note that I wrote is LOL. Not bad. Hmm. Yeah, um, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's a decent like weird kind of genre song.
0: So Ringo Starr was a big country music fan. Yeah. And a lot of his songs on these albums were oh, that either is a star song. Yeah. Yeah. Were either. Uh, covers of country songs or were written for him to be more country. Like another one that comes to mind, a big song for him was act naturally. Mm-hmm. That's a country song straight yeah, up
1: for sure. Uh,
2: and then the last song that I'm going to talk about on this album, unless you guys want to, is in my life. Yeah. Um,
1: one of my favorite songs. Yeah. This
2: one is musically there's classic guitar and piano. It It, it is folksy. It is Bob
0: Dylan. Yep. Um, it's, it's
2: a fine song. Yeah.
0: Um, I think the lyrics in this song are pretty powerful. Remind me what they were? You know, there are places in my life, you know, it's about looking back on where you've been and saying they're important to me and I I love them and I care about them and I hold them dear to me, but I also need to move on. Yeah, I do like that. And sort of compartmentalize your past and look forward to the future.
1: I'm looking through you is very uh catchy as well, too.
0: It's one that's another one of my favorites. Yeah. There's a bunch in here. You could really analyze every song like I love you, the you lyrics. Can. I
2: mean, we're we're yeah. not like crunched for time, but yeah. like we have yeah. a lot to talk about in Yeah, a little bit no, of No, that's true. Um overall, uh I thought that this was it was a good progression from the last album. I liked it better than the last album. Okay. Um I think Drive My Car is going to be on a lot of playlists of mine oh, in yeah. the future. Okay. It's just a, it's a, as far as just like putting it on going on a road trip. I do mm-hmm. a lot of driving. Yeah. Um it's a great great song. Yeah, it's fine. Beep beep and beep beep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's in every commercial I've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. Moving so,
1: on to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band.
2: Oh, oh,
0: oh. <laughs> so, so this one is kind of. I think we need to talk a little bit about where the Beatles were at when this came out. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. You briefly did, but let's talk about it some more.
0: So they. Oh, yeah, I did talk about it in the first part of this episode, but just to just to recap, um, the Beatles had basically decided that they were no longer able to express themselves artistically through performing live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of the craze of Beatlemania and just it became such a spectacle that they were no longer able to just handle it anymore.
1: Yeah, and this is where they started going crazy in the studio and started making some weird right. ass sounds.
2: Right, so back to the documentary, I mean... This is where they started really experimenting with drugs, with LSD, as yep. Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds uh, is referring to. Yeah. Possibly.
1: Um, possibly. Just debate Lennon, on that. Yeah. John Lennon was like, oh, it's a picture my son wrote. And then everyone was like, all right. Or picture my son. My picture drew. my son drew.
2: Um, so a quote from this documentary, and I don't remember who said it. It might have just been someone they were interviewing. But for this album, they said the studio was an instrument. Yeah. yeah I love that because like you said at this time this was this was the first concept album yep. i could believe it. i don't know if anybody else did it before but like this is this is a huge album and it was a concept album and they really used that like i said um for with the beatles they were experimenting with stereo at the time i'm sure a lot of people were but it was yep. a new technology and they're now now we're in 1967 so there there's more there's newer technology out at the time yep they're experimenting with drugs, getting really psychedelic with shit. Um
0: well let's not undercut either the fact that because they were huge they, they were do, given. Yeah, yeah exactly. they can do
2: whatever they want at yep. this point. Like th- with the Beatles, they're playing popular songs that they like and they're getting more popular. But now they're the Beatles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And no record company is gonna tell them, Nope. You need to go <laughs> into the studio and record an album in a weekend.
2: No, yeah. and, and like you said, like they they stopped touring but then they released like uh pseudo not pseudo um like music videos before music videos yep yep um so and, they had and they got I, so weird with it and they they were like they were internet trolls before the internet <laughs> and outside of the music yeah. the documentary highlighted that pretty well and i like that because i i thought john lennon was just like the serious straight face dude oh
0: no because i don't know anything one. about him yeah yeah, yeah
2: and he's like the biggest troll of all of them yep and it's hilarious
0: yeah Yeah. yeah, And I think it's cool that as a band, you know, they were at the height of their powers. They could have basically said, you know, we're not going to tour anymore, but, you know, we're still a band and we'll just do what we do. But they felt that they owed it to the audience. If they weren't going to tour anymore, they had to increase other aspects of their connection with the audience. Yeah. So I think that's awesome that. That basically led to the creation of Sgt. Peppers was, yep. we have to be more. We have to give them more than anyone's ever given in an album. And I have
2: to give them credit for trailblazing because it's it was a great idea and it was definitely ahead of its time. What
0: would you think of the actual songs?
2: Let's get to that, Dan. Okay. <laughs> Shall we? Uh, Sgt. Peppers, Lonely Heart Cubs Band, track one. Uh, so as we said, this is a concept. This is like their fake band yep. that they're pretending to be. Uh, so there's like an audience in the background, and it's it's almost like a skit, really. Yeah. Um, it's it's show
0: toony. Mm-hmm. I think Not, it's supposed to be sort of like a carnival barker.
2: Yeah. I mean, we yeah.
0: Sort of getting people excited for the concert.
2: Yeah, I I, I did notice that, but it's like, it's I, I don't know. Is whatever. Mm. I didn't care for the sound I really itself. I really like
1: pa- uh, Paul McCartney's voice in this. He's like screaming.
0: Yeah, I've said this before, somewhat controversially, but to me. There's aspects of this, not to sound too dramatic, but there's aspects of his voice and the way this crunchy guitar comes in that remind me of like, I've called this the first punk song.
2: I did notice, mm. I forgot which song I was listening to because I listened to a lot of Beatles recently. <laughs> um, I noticed that they were using distortion that people just yeah. weren't using. Overdrive at, the time. at a high level. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, I
0: don't know. And this a, has that guitar of dun, 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 dun. It was da, a, it da, was da, a
2: da, good da. intro to the album. I wasn't really digging it as a song itself. Mm-hmm. Um, with a little help from my friends, I think everybody knows this song. Yeah, uh, It's a classic. I like it. Mm-hmm. Performed good. by Billy
0: Shears, a.k.a. Ringo Starr.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Actually. That's
0: the end of Sgt. Pepper's starts off saying, listen to Billy Shears, and then he starts singing.
2: Yeah. Um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So everybody's heard this song. Um, I know the chorus well, but like I said, I didn't really know the verse. Like, it's not as catchy to me. And mm. I thought that the transition from the verse to the chorus was pretty jarring. Like, yeah. I, it's choppy. I don't really.
0: I think they were I experimenting like with piecing things together that will come up later on Abbey Road.
2: Yeah, it sounds. It, it sound I don't know. There's something about it I just didn't like. Like. It's catchy. the The chorus is catchy, but I just I don't know. Oh, as a song, as a whole, I don't like it. But who the hell am I? This is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Everybody knows. It. I think, and I'm sitting yeah. in the basement. I think the
0: <laughs> I think the imagery of the lyrics in the verses is pretty pretty extraordinary. It paints a picture, and it's a picture merry yourself. Trip. With yeah, with
1: a boat on a river
0: with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Oh, it's yeah. uh trippy, but it's it's yeah. cool.
1: It's very. It's it's a very
0: druggy song. I have visuals in my head for this song, even though yeah. there's no visuals for it. Yeah.
2: I don't. Maybe you just know it better than me. Um, getting better. Uh, I know this song. It's super catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, also
0: I, on commercials.
2: It is. Yeah. Uh, yep. It's a good song. I do like it. Um, I wrote annoying piano. I think there's a part where it, at the end the piano just like repeats on the same note. Is this the song I'm thinking?
1: Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so, about. like,
2: because I was focusing on it. because the, the part to, like, where the a...
1: sitar starts playing,
0: too. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is, after, like, a minute, it got, like,
2: grating. It's and like, uh like, oh.
0: It's, like, two-thirds but through the song, yeah. This song also has some weird problematic lyrics. I used to be bad to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. People have made comments in the past, like, oh, really? Like, is that the character or?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, even if it's him or if it's a character, he's he realizes his faults and he's getting better (laughs) Uh, let's hope so um i'm gonna skip ahead to being for the benefit of mr kite
0: wow odd choice
2: because uh i hate it yeah um it's 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 circus music and (laughs) it is circus music it was was like the first song so far i've listened
0: to on two and a half albums that i loathed Mm. so um
1: that's usually a skip in my car
0: I love She's Leaving Home. Just want to say, go on record that... I can't place it in my head right now. uh, It's the one with the harp. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the uh, finger-picking guitar type stuff. Um, I think that this sort of speaks, calls back to some of those folk influences that we talked about, Mm -hmm. but also like around this time period paul mccartney was starting to get really heavily influenced by classical music mm-hmm. and some of their songs are actually based on classical forms and like oh, pre-existing dude, you're ideas ahead. well it's coming <laughs> but th- it's also in in this too like um she's leaving home is based on a very traditional i think it's like a concerto form oh yeah yeah and uh being for the benefit of the mr kite the song that you hate i do have to say like they do did do some interesting stuff with Jimmy and I saw this documentary we mentioned yeah. in the early part of this episode and they talked about how they, the bridge has that weird, like calliope music or whatever it's called, which yeah. is like,
1: right. Boom,
0: boom, yeah. Boom, boom, it's the music boom, that's wow. created when a merry-go-round spins, yeah. There's literally like an instrument built into a merry-go-round. Yeah. It's like a music box. Right? Yeah. Yes. Of.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, that's interesting. The inclusion of that and how they actually... So because the entire merry-go-round is an instrument, you can't just play it. You can't just give it new notes. It plays what it plays, just like you said, like a music box. So they didn't want to use a pre-existing section from an, from another song. So what they did was they collected clips of calliope music from different merry-go-rounds, and they cut them into little loops, and then literally threw those physical clips of tapes all over the floor and pieced them back together to see make for 1967
2: new. i love that like yeah. outside of the album that's yeah. fantastic i mean even yeah. now that's great like you can even with digital editing that I, which i have some experience with that's awesome
0: yeah mm-hmm. but i hate the song yeah um I'd i think agree. it was more of an experiment like hey can we that's make a fine. carnival song yeah and it turns out they can yeah um within you
2: without you this is where they get Really into Psychedelic. Indian music, yeah. Uh, yep. Hindu George thoughts, Harrison beliefs. was
0: definitely into Eastern Indian culture and music, yeah.
2: Which I think, I mean, even now, like that's that's a weird thing to do in pop music, mm-hmm. yeah. 50 years ago, that must have like blown people's minds. I'm sure most people couldn't even place India on a map back then, mm-hmm. um.
1: Yeah, on a guitar, you can play notes that you can't play on a guitar.
2: Yeah, and also, just coincidentally, right after we recorded the first part of the segment. Usually when I eat dinner, if my wife's at work or something, I'll just watch YouTube videos. And I was watching some music video and the next video audio auto played. And it was about the song Within You Without You mm. and the use of modes. And they went really in depth. And I, I can't remember which mode this was. And I didn't care to look it up.
0: Well, technically, it uses an Indian harmonic scale, which is different. So it is again, not to nerd out. But Western music is based on a, I believe it's a 12 note harmonic scale.
1: I think that's right.
0: And Indian music is more. I can't remember, but I th- want to say I think it's seventeen. I was thinking fifteen. Yeah, very, very different times. So signatures. even the yep. distance between notes is different. You can't even play it on traditional like Western instruments. You have to retune them.
2: Right. So like what what I'm saying is is that I I like this. The song itself was like just listening to it. My brain was just like, yeah, this is okay. It's not like it's not a bop, but I really. I loved the instrumentation. I love the experimentation. I yep. love just, and whether they, they did, they used a mode to write the song on purpose or if it just happened to be, it's so intricately constructed. Oh, as yeah. A song. It, it mm-hmm. is dense. Um, And I think that, you know, when you're going from like covering a Smokey Robinson song to five years later using a sitar and yeah. using like uh, Indian modes, it, it's
0: crazy. Yeah. So I did just look it up and, um, the song follows the pitches of kamaj thought. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's the Indian equivalent of mixolydian mode. Um, it was it was performed in the key of C, but it was sped up to C sharp, which was a common thing to do back then, just to you know to raise the pitch and change the feel of the music. Um, it's definitely it's based on a Ravi Shankar um, piece, which sort of became this is the birth of a partnership between Ravi Shankar and George Harrison that lasted, I believe through the rest of George Harrison's life. Yeah, Ravi Shankar, if people aren't aware, is a super famous Indian composer and sitar player.
2: Uh, So moving on to the next song, unless you have anything else to say, When I'm 64. It's a Paul McCartney song, I believe. Yes. Um, It sounds, I I can't think of the right word, so I'm just going to say vaudevillian. But I it, think that's the right word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if it was too far or not vaudevillian enough, but uh, it fits in with the uh, musically with the concept of this album. Yes. Which which I like. And it's just um, the lyrics are good, too. Because it's I mean, he's he's older than 64 now, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's looking forward.
1: Yeah.
0: He also yeah. wrote this song years prior. This had been kicking around for a while, and I think he was looking for a place for it. And um, I think as we get into um the last album but it's certainly on um albums in between such as the self-titled so-called white album you start to see the individual personalities of Lennon, McCartney, Harrison and Starr through their writing and Paul McCartney had a fascination with as I mentioned classical music and also these sort of like old-timey or standards you know English standards and stuff and I don't think Lennon was really into that. No. So sometimes you have them shoehorned in like in odd places and stuff like that. But I agree with you on this album. It does fit because it does feel like this trip to a circus or right. vaudeville, like you mentioned.
2: Um, and then if you go to the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band reprise, it's the it's the end of the concert, the carnival. It's over. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I thought it was a. I thought when listening to this that it would have been a good end cap, but then there was another song. And I was like, Oh
0: yeah. Thought, yeah. A big other song. Yeah. Uh, it's
2: long.
1: So what do you think of a day in the life?
0: I
2: don't remember it.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, this is like boy. one of their most important songs. Is it? I yep. read The news today. Oh boy. Oh, that sounds we're doing more singing in this episode than i feel like we should be <laughs> no there's <laughs> yeah, not probably. enough
2: like going by our last <laughs> podcast there should be significantly more singing
0: significantly more bad singing <laughs> yeah um so this was like two different song ideas that they crammed together so there's john lennon's i read the news today it's very melancholy he's talking about the state of the world and how sad it is and it also has this weird like slant on reality like um there's some weird it's like a dream
1: sequence exactly yeah
0: and then literally at the end of the dream sequence the alarm goes off and we get into Paul McCartney's super
2: yes yes this song this song
0: Paul McCartney's super realistic day in the life like literally like what he did he woke up he combed his hair he had breakfast he got on the bus and he went into a dream and we're back in John Lennon's like weird uh i don't know it it feels like like sliding it it just slides like all the words sort of flow into each other kind of
2: like when you're almost asleep yeah exactly that's how Mm -hmm. it feels to me i I do remember the song i I did like it and they also have the orchestration
1: too that keeps on building and building and building until the literal they call it an orgasm yeah at the very Mm. end it's like at the very end oh that's how it ends right yeah yes. really long yeah and the yeah, reason yeah, why
0: cool. it's um the last track is because um i forget what the term is i've heard it called a lock groove or a run out groove yeah but on the vinyl record when it hits that last note it spins into a continual groove
1: it never ends that will
0: just keep playing that's awesome. So you know how, yeah, yeah. Basically, for the audience, if you don't know how a vinyl record works, is there's individual like grooves or channels cut into the vinyl record, and as the album progresses, the needle is playing out further and further away from the center, but when it hits that last groove, it's like a train switching tracks. And it, it gets locked on that last groove. So that note just plays continually until you turn off your record. Player. I
2: love vinyl tricks like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Black Keys released a, a single where you put the needle in the middle. Yeah. And it plays out. Oh, yeah. I messed and, that up. Um,
0: it's It plays outward Yeah, in. Um, And
2: Wilhelm Scream also did that on one of their EPs. All the songs are on one side, but you flip it over and you see grooves. And for years, I had this old record player that Dan gave me that it read the tracks with a laser, so it was auto, like a CD. Oh, but yeah. when, once you drop the needle at the front, it wouldn't play because it was the end. So until I got a record player, I put it in the middle. I've had this for, like, years, and it played backwards. There were secret tracks. I was like, this is – I've had this oh, for, like, crazy. five years, and I didn't know that there was music on this side. And it's not anywhere else online. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's
0: like cool that. that they were, they were literally s- – experimenting not just with the lyrics and the music but they're experimenting production with the physical media and the yep. technology that's and the, cool. the packaging had some cool stuff too i think this is the album that had like paper cutouts yeah cardboard stuff like cutouts yeah like of the bands i would just Basically, look at yeah. yesterday
1: yeah so
0: yeah i'm it goes back to what we were saying they wanted to give something more to the audience yeah
1: that's cool yeah the production just in general on this album i think is phenomenal one of the best albums of all time.
0: And it, and it's known for that. Yeah. It influenced not only listeners and people in record production. Yeah, I Think of like
1: the the cool like sub pop uh like releases and stuff like that. Like none of that would have ever happened. Exactly. If it wasn't for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts school Band.
0: And also influenced so many musicians too. Yep. Like we talked about in the first episode the effect that it had on um Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Yep.
1: Um, which made one of Paul McCartney's
0: favorite songs of all time. God only knows. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of, uh, it just was a huge inspiration. It basically like changed the world. Yeah. So
2: overall, um, just like I said, I really like that. It was a concept. I appreciate what it did, but I don't like it. Oh, I overall, like there's some songs I would pick out of there and like listen to, but just as a whole, just like the whole circusy thing. I just, I don't know. And like, I was re- talking about it. I like it more now thinking about it. Cause yeah. I was just like gushing over a few of those songs. Yeah. So maybe, uh, you like
0: the idea of the, album. yeah, I, love the, idea the of, album. I love the
2: concept, even the without me, without you, whatever the hell it's called within you without you. Yeah. That one, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I love what they did, but I didn't actually like the song that much, but I, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of the song. Yeah. I love you. I'm just not in love with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you could always check out, If we talked you into it, there's other ones of this similar genre, like thinking of Tomorrow Never Knows. There's a few of them, I think, um, that are definitely heavily influenced by Indian music. Moving
2: on to Abbey Road, 1969. So we're only seven years (laughs) from where we
0: started, which is wild. Is this
2: their penultimate album?
0: Uh, So we talked about this in the first half of the episode.
1: Yeah, so basically this was in intended to be the last album but because the production on let it be kept on getting changed um that actually ended up releasing after yeah but this was always intended to be the last album all right
2: uh so we start out with come together uh before recording this episode i would say this is my favorite Beatles song Mm -hmm. just musically and lyrically it's really you know, anti war and everybody everybody
0: get together and yeah. just be cool with it's each other. It's just a
1: dark song too in general. It is c- and comparatively to everything else you've listened to.
0: It's also one of probably the most prominent of something that Lennon did a few times or several times in the Beatles, which are stream of consciousness lyrics. Yeah. Like the verses don't really mean anything. They're imagery. Yeah and they're yeah. to convey emotion. But he was really into um Which we've heard we've heard artists do that since then.
1: It's almost like beat poetry. So like listening to it
0: it now, you're
2: like, I've heard this before, but like, that's pretty crazy for that. Yeah. And he
0: was into some like expressionistic or avant-garde art at the time. And I think he was trying to do what, um, sort of like modern painters or visual artists would do, which is the painting doesn't actually need to be of anything. Mm -hmm. It just needs to elicit an emotional response And I think that's what his goal was with these types of lyrics. Was it doesn't mean something necessarily. It may have a meaning to you though, either Mm -hmm. emotionally or rationally or visually. So yeah, I think that's a. It's a pretty influential song. I mean,
2: it's a great baseline. It's classic. It's a fantastic
0: song. It's got a groove to it. Yeah. (laughs) Boom boom. See, I
2: could sing too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Something. This is. uh, I didn't know this is George Harrison looking at the screen right now. Yeah. Still can't tell. It's a great ballad.
0: One of my favorite Beatles songs. It's and really people, it's a
2: really good song.
0: People yeah. always are like, You're crazy. You can't pick a George Harrison song as the best <laughs> Beatles song, but it's like a near yeah. perfect love song. It
2: really is. And it's it just sounds good. Yeah, you, you can feel the emotion. Mm-hmm. It's a great song. Um Maxwell Silverhammer, I I don't like that. I didn't write any notes. I don't like that song at all. <laughs> Funny was,
1: enough. Yeah. Uh, this is Dan's dad's favorite Beatles song of all time. <laughs> Shout out to
0: Brian. Brian. <laughs> I was told that we have to specifically give some love to Maxwell Silverhammer. I, I
2: didn't even write it. I was going to skip over it. And for some reason, I listened to it today. I just listened to some songs on shuffle on the way over. And I'm like,
0: yeah. oh. It's uh, fun, though. It's about a serial killer. and <laughs> yeah. uh. It's happy. Yeah. It's like the most joyous song about bludgeoning someone to death.
2: Next song. Oh, (laughs) darling. This is a great rock and roll song. Yep, yep. I knew and you were going to feel this one. Love this is it.
1: Paul McCartney's
0: greatest performance. This ever, might be I think.
2: my favorite Beatles song from what I've heard. It's just, it's, it's pretty close. It's, it's like a little Richard song
0: that never happened. Yeah,
2: it really is. The only thing I don't like, maybe I'm just, cause I'm just hearing it now is the, the lead guitars. When it starts to go into this, like the do, do,
0: do, do. Arpeggi- arpeggiating.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it was weird to put it into a song in the style, but it's so good. Yeah. It's such a good song.
0: I agree with you. I think, and we could talk about as we get further on through the album, but um, to me, they knew this was their last album, and I think this album encompasses a lot of their previous genres. Yep. And to me, this is like their R&B song. Um, The Oh Darling, or the uh, Maxwell Silver Hammer, although it has like a dark story, reminds me like musically of some of those like, when I'm 64, obla oh di obla oh da, those like yep. sort of vaudevillian English folk tune type vibe. So then we get to Ringo's song, Octopus's Garden. I
2: didn't like that one. <laughs> I didn't write anything down for it. I have nothing to say about it. It's just, it felt so these first four songs, right? You have come together and it's like this deep, dark, heavy song. You have something, it's this power ballad. You have Oh Darling, which is just freaking rock i just want to say the f word so bad but i'm trying not to um and then you get here and you're like oh all right all right ringo here's a song you did yeah
0: it feels like a sequel to yellow submarine to me which yeah. i didn't listen to so. yeah. yeah but i'm he sure you know it. the song yeah. yellow submarine i mean i
2: think they mentioned yellow submarine in the lyrics in the song don't they i
1: don't remember i don't remember <laughs> um and
2: then i want you she's so heavy this is an eight minute yep. epic <laughs> This was a good song.
0: It's, you awesome. did like it. This yeah, is the one yeah.
2: with the, uh, I think, with the distortion that I mentioned before. I just couldn't think of think it the gets name heavy. It. Yeah. It's, it's super like, dark. Yeah. It's,
0: it's great. I really did enjoy it a lot. And I love how it builds and builds and builds like a day in the life, like to this cacophonous roar of like distorted guitar and stuff. And then it cuts off. Yeah. And then nah, it goes nah, nah.
1: Yeah. And then it goes directly into Here Comes the Sun if you flip the vinyl. Well, too. yeah. Well, For us on, yeah, modern flip, day music Spotify, streaming. Yeah. So
2: here comes the sun, which again, I didn't know this is a Harrison song because I always hear the things like George Harrison sucks. But like so far, he's everything that I've heard from him yeah. is great. Like Here Comes the Sun. Everybody knows the song. Yeah. It's just a feel good song.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely songs on the early albums that George wrote that are like not great. Yeah. But once he hits his stride as a songwriter, there's a lot of good tunes. They feel different from the Beatles. Was his stuff, solo but... yeah.
2: stuff good? Because I don't. I
0: he don't... had hits. Yeah.
2: So, like, when he was in the Beatles, like, he hit his groove and he was probably supported. He obviously he was supported by the rest of them. Yeah. But I think that he probably worked best toward. I don't know. But uh,
1: it's hard to say. I, I feel like in the 70s, he was kind of trying to figure himself out as a solo artist. And then in the 80s and 90s, he kind of honed it. But he, I, I'm not a huge short He fan. also
0: had a, a pretty serious drug problem that yeah. affected him through a lot of the later 70s. But um, I think it's his first solo album. It's definitely his most widely known and appreciated. All Things Must Pass.
1: I think that is the is first a one.
0: fantastic album, yeah. like really delving into um, the sort of folk rock genre. And like heavily influenced in Indian music, in um, different types of like chanting music. And there's a lot of cool stuff in there. But um, yeah, when we talk about the B side of this album, I'm just looking up. I'm trying to figure out, Jim, maybe you can answer this. Is the entire B side continuous or does it start with because? Because.
1: I always look at it. Um, I think it starts after because um, I-, I always looked at it as the the uh, oh, yeah. Abbey Road melody starts at uh, or medley um, starts at. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the song. Her the Majesty. Song. Her so, Majesty. So carry that wave. Or no, part not of Her of the Majesty.
0: Medley. Oh yeah, that's um, that's wrong. Um, I always look at it. It either starts at. You, uh, you never you give never me give your me money. Yep. Yeah. So what were you saying, Jeff?
2: um does carry that weight is that part of the medley or is that its own thing because i've definitely heard that before
0: yeah it's part of the medley though right um
2: i didn't write any notes for any of these songs specifically because it was like one big thing but like you never give me your money i thought that was a pretty good song yeah good intro to it but then like mean mr mustard i'm like i don't know about oh
0: that's so rocking though mean mr mustard into polythene pam like sure the lyrics are a little weird but they both have such cool vibes. Yeah, so
2: like musically what is it, maybe like seven or eight minutes altogether? Seven no,
0: minutes? it's like sixteen, I think. Or no, uh, sorry.
1: Depends on where you start it. Oh, or God. where you where you think it but, I mean, starts, but like
2: so so musically, this sounds like something that uh, a band would do as like in the middle of their show or as an encore just like sludging through all the hits. Like we, yeah. we got to get through these hits, but they recorded it and put it on an album yep. because they weren't playing live anymore. Probably. Right. That's what I would think.
0: Yeah. And I think it was um a way to just sort of stretch. And like I said earlier, this was their sort of sort of going away album. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, Hey, we can do this. Like we can just grow and expand and transform from one song into another. and, the transitions are super interesting. Some of them are really sharp, some of them are more gradual. But um she came in through the bathroom window is like definitely a standout to me from the medley. I think that song is really powerful. Um but really this back half of the medley I think is way better than the first half. Yes, I mm-hmm. agree.
1: Uh, I think my, my favorite starts from, from she came in through the bathroom window to the end.
0: So Golden Slumbers is based on like an old lullaby or a poem or something that Paul McCartney rewrote the music to. And then you get into carry that weight, which is like so boisterous. And like, yeah, it is. It's all like,
2: ha. ha,
0: ha, 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 ha. it's like a parade. That's
1: what <laughs> yeah. I always think of.
2: Everyone's all chanting. And like, yeah, yeah. we're going to carry that weight together.
1: I think it's the first song that has all four of them singing at the same time.
2: Oh, is it? Is That's it the
0: first and only? I
1: think so. Hmm.
0: Then we get to the end. Yeah. Bum, bum. Which has makes... the
1: only Ringo Starr drum solo in it.
0: Yeah. And they also take turns. Paul, John, and George take turns playing that lead guitar. Oh, okay. Those are all three of them soloing at different times. They're rotating. That's yeah. pretty cool. And it's cool because if you're like a guitar nerd, you can hear their different style of guitar yep. playing. Yeah. Like, Paul's is very much similar to, like, classic rock, like, 1950s guitar solos. Mm-hmm. John's is more heavily distorted and real, like, choppy. Yep. And George is super, like, lyrical and melodic. Mm-hmm.
1: Did, did we talk about the uh, the fact that you've been on Jimmy, that you tweeted about on Jimmy Fallon about how you were <laughs> drumming on your belly?
0: No, I, I guess not. <laughs> but, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim on something about tweet of the week or whatever they call it. Um, the topic was like, yeah, embarrassing things I've been caught doing or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I sent a tweet in that made it to the show, which was about when I was, uh, like 17 years old and I worked at a toy store. Um, I came in one day and all my coworkers were crowded around the security camera monitor and they were watching playback of me from my last shift Where I was walking through the aisles straightening up toys and playing Ringo's drum solo on my belly. (laughs) And they, as I had a large belly, they found that very humorous.
1: And it was on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. Famous. Not The
0: Tonight Show, though, just late No, night. it was Tonight Show. It was late night. Was it? Yeah, it was late night. A it, was a lot. it was a long time ago. It predates ago. The yeah. Tonight Show. There you go. But don't you guys wish that this was the last album so the end could have been the end? Oh, yeah. I always look at it as the last so album. So do I. I don't care. I listened to them in the order that cool. yeah. the band intended.
2: So overall, of the four albums, uh, this was my favorite. I think it had the best songs on it. Yeah. Uh, the best single songs.
0: Yeah. yeah. Rockin', dude. I think this is probably my favorite. One of my favorites, too. It's up it, there. It's my favorite. It's Revolver my favorite. is probably my my favorite, but this is right up there.
1: Yeah. So do you want to get to overall thoughts of the band in general?
2: Yeah. Or did albums? Did you have any or...
0: overall thoughts, Jeff?
2: Uh, I mean, I do, but I don't know if I could say overall thoughts. Oh, so maybe we, oh, we should okay. ask first. Until the question is asked and answered.
1: All right. So, Jeff, did, did Dan and I talk you
0: into The, the Beatles? Beatles. No Aww. Aww. This
2: was a really tough one Because
1: Heartbreaking
2: Because the songs I liked Are really good Yeah Like I'm definitely going to be adding A handful of these songs to playlists And I'll probably listen to some of them um, I'm definitely going to listen to some of them But overall I, I'm i going to say no Because I don't like One full album in its entirety Like I can't just mm. put it on And listen to it I, I It's not bad so I didn't hate. I thought years ago, if we did this podcast, I thought I'd go into it and I would just be like, this sucks. I hate everything. <laughs> I'm
0: a punk rock hardcore bro.
2: Yeah. So like I wasn't shocked that I enjoyed a lot of this. Yeah. But I wasn't blown away by it. Mm. Um, A lot of a lot of the covers. Like in, in the earlier days, like they were inspired by a lot of things that I like and I like their inspirations and I like a lot of bands that they inspire like in Abbey Road. Uh, you could hear a lot of like Billy Joel in there. Yeah, you could hear a lot of um, uh, who was the other. I forgot who I was thinking of. I had it in my head in the car. I forgot. <laughs> a lot of other people. Yeah, but no, there, there's a lot of bands that they inspired and I like a lot of the bands that inspired them and especially after watching this documentary, even though it was brief, it did give a pretty good idea of what they did. Like in the short time that they were around, they did some crazy shit that like, even now people aren't doing pop stars, aren't doing rock stars, aren't doing. So I definitely respect what they did for music, Mm -hmm. but I just, I don't know. I, I can't latch on. Yeah. More than half of the songs. I was just like, Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Well, you know, one option too, since you're into some few select songs is, Maybe you check out the uh, Red and Blue Greatest Hits albums. I
2: did listen. The only thing outside of these four albums in the documentary I listened to, I listened to – I didn't know that there were two. I listened to the red one.
0: That's the first half. When
2: I was – when I was. so how I prepared for this episode is I did a lot of driving in these last few weeks, and I listened to all the albums like several times each. Yeah. And I didn't make take any notes. So the other night I just powered through everything, and I was like scribbling down notes – and my wife heard it, and, like, I go to bed, and she's like, I like the Beatles. And I was like,
0: okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> like, she just discovered that she liked them, or she always had and no, just she, didn't mention it? she
2: just discovered, just listening. Like, I wouldn't even listen to entire songs. <laughs> we talked songs. his like, wife into the Beatles. Through, like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so, Lindsay, did we talk you into liking the Beatles? So, like, yeah. sometimes when we go to sleep, I put music on low. It's usually, like, spa music or, like, instrumental, yeah. or progressive stuff. Yeah. And uh, I just put on the Red Album quietly. Mm. Mm. fell asleep
0: (laughs) yeah because there's obviously you know we picked out four albums but there's obviously a huge number of big hits and influential songs there are you didn't listen to so
2: like i i might go and listen to the remainder just to see what i miss out of curiosity if anything else maybe the no will turn into a yes maybe i'll start liking it more but as of right now it's it's a super soft no it's like Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: well you could also use what you've learned that you like and dislike about the Beatles to determine what you should listen to in the future. Like, you like Abbey Road, you like the more diverse, like, weirder songs, maybe check out the White Album next. I'm
2: also not opposed to just making, like, a colossal playlist of the songs I like. Yeah, Because it's just, but, like, if I'm being honest as a whole, I can't say yes.
0: Okay. All right, well, what are you going to do? You can't win them all, Jim. Yeah,
1: Uh, I'll accept that. That's the softest (laughs) no I think you've given. It is,
0: and, like... Old Jeff used to hate on me for liking the Beatles, yeah. so I'll. Yeah, this. I mean yeah. it's I'm,
2: I'm getting better. Okay, getting <laughs> Get better, better all the all time. The time. Uh, yeah, all there
0: right.
1: We go. So next week, I believe Jeff, you're gonna be subjecting us to something. What are you? Subjecting I am us going
2: to? to probably unsuccessfully try to talk both of you into uh, probably one of my favorite and closest-to-my-heart franchises of the late 90s,
1: Animorphs.
2: Oh, boy. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Animorphs, for those who don't know, is a chapter book uh, science fiction young adult series from the late 90s to Mm. early 2000s. It's a pre-9-11 tale. Nice. About... teenagers who turn into animals to fight off an alien invasion of earth
0: you have seen them at your local scholastic book fair (laughs) oh my god i forgot about those those are so much fun never forget so that's what we're going to be talking about on the next episode
1: yes uh by the way what are we reading for those uh for next week jeff
0: yeah
2: Uh, we're gonna do the first four books
1: four
0: books oh boy that's going to be difficult. Yeah,
2: there's uh, I mean, if you want the names... <laughs>
0: yeah, what are they called?
2: The Invasion, book one. The Visitor, book two. The Encounter, book three. And The Message, book four. So uh, we
0: will look forward to hearing about preteens who turn into animals next week. In the meantime... <laughs> what a
2: crazy podcast this is. Yeah. Here's an hour and a half about... The most s- beloved
0: the- band in the history of music. <laughs> of the world.
2: Everybody loves them
0: on Earth. And then next episode... Here's some forgotten and spandex books. that
2: turn into dolphins. Yeah, it's forgotten. Not forgotten
0: They're forgotten by They're the not. world at large. No, the it's world you and them. Dave Gonzalez and
2: Dante. Okay,
0: my <laughs> Dante. <laughs> so, Jimmy, in the meantime, as we struggle to read four chapter books, uh, where can people find the show online?
1: Oh, you can find the show at Talk Me Into on Twitter, Talk Me Into on Facebook and subscribe on itunes and uh every one of your podcasting applications if you feel so inclined you can send us an email at talkmeinto at gmail.com
0: yeah and where can they find you personally online oh
1: you can find me at son of a fitch s-o-n-n-a-v-a-f-i-t-c-h on twitter and instagram and maybe i'll make a funny tweet who knows i could do the ha-has occasionally Hmm. you could certainly try i can try jeff where can people find you on the internet
2: on Twitter at two 27 That's Jeff with five Fs, the number 27.
1: That's a new melody every time.
2: <laughs> you got you to gotta keep it new for the Just fans. like the Beatles, the he's
1: fans.
0: ever-growing and expanding.
1: Yeah. Dan, where can people find you on the internet?
0: So you can find me on Twitter at Danny underscore breakdown and Letterboxd, which I have to get back to. It's been quite some time. Yeah. Oh, you, you haven't, haven't posted Letterboxing? Anything. Oh, yeah. I've
2: opened the app twice in my life.
0: There you go well you can find my reviews and jeff's one or two reviews um two i think he has two two on letterbox.com i'm under the name danny breakdown and next week we will be trying to learn how to turn into animals i guess but for now thank you for listening to talk me into what will we talk you into next eating this cold hot dog because i'm starving